Mato swoops in to intercept. Mato behind the net. Swings it in front. He scores! Mato! 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 Welcome to The Sled Files, a podcast that explores the world of sled hockey. I'm your host, Faith Blee. In this podcast, I'm going to talk about the incredible athletes, coaches, family members, and others connected to the sport of sled hockey that I have gotten to know over the past years. I hope you enjoy this episode. Mato, mato, mato. The iconic three words you probably heard from the 1994 Stanley Cup playoff game. In this episode, former Rangers star Stefan Matteau describes his famous goal, the program he created, and what his first experience was like on a sled. Welcome back to the podcast. So usually on our episodes we have Rough Rider players, but today we have a very special guest, and he's recently played sled hockey for the first time. So, and as many of you guys might know him from 1994 in the Rangers game that led them to the Stanley Cup Finals. And that very guest is Stefan Matteau. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, and also with us, we have Scarlett Fu. And she's a family friend and hockey enthusiast. And she works for Bloomberg Television. And she's interviewed several Ranger players before. A couple of uh, Stefan's teammates. Ooh, Which one? Adam Graves. Very generous with his time and has a lot of advice for hockey parents. It's funny that you mentioned he's my, uh, almost my life mentor without knowing him. He doesn't know that, but I've been watching him over the years, mm-hmm. and he's my favorite person. If, if you ask me who's your favorite Ranger of all time, Adam Graves is my, uh, my favorite player. Person, not player, but person. So That means Thanks. Adam Graves is going to come on to this podcast next. I will ask him, yeah. Definitely will ask him. That'd be so him. fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start. So you've Scored the winning goal um, against the New Jersey Devils in 1994, um, and this was your most, like, this was the shining moment. Can you talk a little bit about it? Uh, it's pretty hard to beat, yeah. right? It was the conference finals against the New, uh, New Jersey Devils, two, the best team in the league at the time. Um, I already scored a double overtime goal in game three, and my life was almost perfect at the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought. And then game seven was such a dramatic uh, game uh, fashion. And the, uh, the New York fans, if, they, uh, if I get to know them a lot over the years, and they say, well, it's never an easy win with the New York Rangers. And we were going to the Stanley Cup Finals, and uh, Zella Pukin from the Devils scored with seven seconds to go in the game. And first overtime, the Devils just were so... Uh, so good, and bar- but Mike Richter stood on his head to keep us in the, in the series in the to uh, in the season, and the uh, second overtime, and just happened to I was lucky enough to uh, to score the winning goal, and we went to the Stanley Cup Finals just a few days later, and two weeks later, I, I won my first only Stanley Cup in my career. That's insane. Mm. Uh, how many times did you actually watch that go- that video replay? I I would say in the thousands. Thousands, thousands wow. of thousands, and because I in my programs we'll talk about it later on. It just uh, we showed a video that that follows me, and that defines me. But uh, I thought it defined me. But mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, my legacy. It's much more than a goal. But it's something that I'm proud of, and I brought the whole community, brought the whole city together, and a lot of people will debate uh, what was the best series of all time, and. Uh, a lot of people would say the New York Rangers and against the New Jersey Devils, and I, 
I was part of it, and uh, obviously people yell my name, Mato, Mato, yeah. Mato, every time I come, even on the golf course today <laughs> at uh, Joel Namath, people recognize me on the golf course, and they were yelling. And I thought at the beginning it was, uh, they were impolite, and but I today I realized that they are, they are so proud because they remember exactly where they were sitting, where they were at, uh, which row, which uh, whatever. If they were at the rink, they would remember where they were sitting or where they were sitting with at home and watching the game. So, it it was a defining moment in my career. I'm just gonna jump in here because obviously Faith was too young. Uh, she was yeah. not born yet when that miraculous goal happened and that that incredible run happened. But her mom and I went to college together and we were in Atlantic City uh, celebrating graduation and we were at a casino when uh, the Rangers beat the Devils. So your mom and I were there for all the listeners out there who know your mom. Mm -hmm. Was it a crazy moment? moment? I think she was too busy celebrating her blackjack win at the moment. <laughs> but we, we updated her on it later on. And um, and you said that that goal was kind of like a lucky goal. Oh, definitely, definitely. Why was do you a, think uh, that? Yeah. Well, you don't. You never practice a wrap around. You wrap. You uh, you practice to maybe to go around and stuff the puck. But I was about two feet from reaching the goal line, so I got hooked. If you look at the video, I got hooked by uh, the defender mm -hmm. Scott Scott Niedermeyer, and they. Uh, I was kind of, when he hooked me, my body kind of turned naturally towards the middle, the, the front of the net, and I tried to pass it. I didn't try to stuff it because I was behind the net. But uh, sure enough, he hit his uh, one of Marty Brothers' glove when he went down and the puck went between his legs. So I could do it. I could try to do it maybe 10,000 times. The one time would go in, and that's exactly what happened on May 27, 1994. The puck went in, and I—I I guess I was the chosen chosen one, and I was very grateful about it. So, but my first thought was not about my success, personal success. It was about uh, we are going to the Stanley Cup Finals. My team, because we had one of the best team. I thought we had the best team in the league at that time, and I wanted to chip in, and we are, we were tight as a group, and we won as a group, and we lost as a group, and. To me, it was like, we are going to the Stanley Cup final. Not me personally, the group. So, But I'm glad that I, there was a lot of my teammates were in front of the net, and they thought, I thought they touched it. I didn't care. But to be honest, today I do care because I'm, it, yeah. that belongs to me for the rest of my life, and I, uh, I'm very grateful for that. Wait, so you said that when you actually went, when you went around, you weren't trying to actually shoot it? I didn't have a plan. I, um, it just kind of happened. It just happened, yeah. yeah. It's one of those plays, like usually a winning goal in the NHL, uh, on the, on the, uh, in the overtime, it's not always a pretty goal. You just they, they keep telling you, they keep teaching you as a young age, when it's uh, the game is on the line, throw everything towards the net, and something can happen. Mm -hmm. It's a two uh, skate or blade or someone's back and goes in, and that's exactly what happened. He hit the goalie's glove and went between his legs. So. Yeah. I mean, so I would like to pretend yeah. to say, I like to say 25 years later was one I he was meant to be, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, you really can't practice goals, plays like that. You try to, like I said, you try to stuff it, but usually the goal is waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And um, I, it was a lucky goal, and uh, they all count, and this one, for sure, that count and still count. So, do you have a particular goal that you're extremely proud of? 
I didn't score too many goals in my career. I, I averaged maybe 12. That's not true. You scored 144 goals in 848 games. In 13 years. So that's yeah. an average of, what, thir- uh, 12, 14 goals a year. And most of my goals were scored in front of the net. And we have the skilled players. We had the Alexei Kovalev, the uh, Brian Leach, and Sergei Zubov. Those players uh, on our team, they could have highlights goal. And they were like people with t- will the kids will try to learn their move. Personally, I like to give myself credit. I was a good hockey player, but I had my role and accepted my role. So some most of my goals were on tipped in front of the net, and I would uh, on, on on rebound. So, uh, but if, to answer your question, that goal was definitely was hard to beat, and also game three. Uh, the same series in New Jersey. Uh, those two goals come up to on top of my list for sure. Mm-hmm. Not a bad place to be. No. Talk a little bit very quickly about playing hockey in New York because you played for different teams, six different cities throughout your career. Yeah. Um, one Canadian city, which was Calgary, but everything else was in the U.S. What was special about playing in New York versus any other U.S. city? As soon as you start playing the NHL, that's a good question. Every time uh, you start playing the NHL, and I grew up watching the Montreal Canadiens, I watch uh, the Toronto Maple Leaf also. So you kind of, even though you've never been to the building, when you first played against them, you kind of see, you kind of remember where the <clears throat> the um, the flags or whatever, the locker rooms, the penalty box. But also people warned you when you start playing, wait until you play at Madison Square Garden. It's dark, but mostly the fans are not rude, but they are hard-nosed yeah. people. <clears throat> So when I first played against the new uh, the Rangers, I had a breakaway against uh, J- uh, John Van Beesbright. Mm. Number what? 34. Yep. Yes. He stopped me, but they, I was not scared, but I was uh, intimidated by the fans and how Madison Square Garden looks. Just mm-hmm. to walk into the building, going to, going to the fifth floor, and I didn't know that, that the, uh, the, the rink was on the fifth floor. But, they, uh, but it's, it's a different story when you become a New York Rangers. The fans love you. If, as long as you put the effort, people will respect you. They will love you. And I think that's why I have a very good love affair with the New York fans because I was a hardworking guy. I was honest. I was not the best player. I never pretended I was the best player. Even though after the goal, the, the goals that I scored, I never pretended I was somebody else. And the fans always loved it. And I don't, I don't know how you call that. The uh, blue chips. I don't know the... Uh, but they, they always respected blue me. Blue blood? Blue blood. And they, they bleed uh, blue. <laughs> bleed blue. And I was one of them. And ever since uh, 25 years later, people still liked the, the way I present myself at Medicine Square Garden. But that was a great place to play with or against. Even for this story, when I got traded to St. Louis, my first game back, there was some signs of the, our coach, Mike Keenan. Uh, we hate you, and there was a lot of uh, bad blood in there. But it was also my first game against the New York Rangers, and I scored the first goal, and I got booed that mm-hmm. night. And just re- rewind two years before, people couldn't get enough of you. Couldn't get enough of me, and they uh, I got booed. I had that was my best game in the NHL. One goal, two assists. I was the second star of the game <laughs> against the, uh, yeah. and they booed me the whole time. And I was in shock. <laughs> and then my friend says, you know what? They were not booing you. They were probably booing the organization for trading for you. But mm-hmm. that's, yep. uh, yeah. that's how to make it. It's all, it's all about our egos and stuff. I, all right. I bought that, uh, that story. But they, um, 
that was another experience. Every time I played against the Rangers, they were booing whoever played against the Rangers. Yeah, because New Yorkers love their New York teams. Yes. And like when they see them going somewhere else, they're like, mm, mm, mm. they're ours, they're our players. But now the, uh, the, the, player, the team traded Zuccarello, and the, the fans will mm-hmm. love them forever. Derek <laughs> Stepan, every time yeah. he comes in when I'm in the building, they remember and they love him because they were hard. They're, they were the heart and yeah. soul of the team, and people will never forget forget that. They will, now they want to wish them the, the best, and when they come to the building, they welcome them. But they, if they scored against the Rangers, of course they're going to get booed. Yes, so. no doubt. Yeah, even going back to it, like ni- the year 1994, <laughs> like that was a crazy um, sports year for all, like, all New York sports. The Knicks went yeah. to, that was, I, the fi- today finals. we talked about on the golf course, the Knicks went to the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, what else, what happened? Then? Well, the Devils and the Islanders were in the playoffs. The, the, all three teams from New York yeah. were in the playoff. O.G. Simpson's story. Yes, that happens during we had our we had our one of the best parade downtown New York. I was there, by the way. That was a that was so much fun. It was to me it was too short. I think it was just a mile and a half long, and it's one of those things that as soon as you start, you don't want you don't want that day to end. And I cherish that moment. Thank God, there's some great pictures out there. But that was people behave. What I liked about the New York Rangers, we we're talking about earlier, they were hard nosed fans. When we won. They celebrated in style in the city. Nobody broke anything. We didn't. We didn't see riots going on, mm-hmm. and it's surprising because if one place that maybe that could have could have been New York, but that was they they showed style and grace th- throughout the night, and that was amazing. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like the energy just was so like happy and electric yeah. that it was a solid. They were waiting. They've been waiting since 1940. That was 40, 54 years at the time. And they, uh, the true fans, they really appreciate. Well, they don't. Stanley Cup parade or Stanley Cup uh, a trophy doesn't come often. It's hard to, even though the Rangers are one of the most f- successful franchise in the league. It you cannot buy a championship. That year they took some, some guests. They took some. Uh, they gamble on some players, including myself. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, but it's hard to do in the in, in today's uh, NHL for sure. Yeah, so how do you think that hockey today has changed since when you played? Much faster. The players are faster. There's no hooking out there, and the defensemen are much faster. Also, the, the special teams are much better. The goalies are better. The penalty killing is better. The power play, it's some teams are it's harder for them to get their power play going because the penalty killing is much better. Everybody dives in front of a puck now, which mm-hmm. I used to avoid doing that when I played. I always said, well, I get paid to maybe score some goals. My character was paid to stop some of the pucks. So, uh, <laughs> but I think the players are training. It's much faster. My son plays. My daughter plays. And the training they do, we used to take two months off in the season. And at the end of the season, now it's like three weeks off, and they go back. And the training is – I used to do a lot of bench press, shoulder press, and I was good at it. But as soon as I got on the ice, I was out of shape. <laughs> so now the players, they practice twice. And the Rangers, well, I think they have two-day practice, and then they play their first preseason game. Back then, it took us two weeks of training camp before we play our first preseason game. So uh, I like the game today. I watch every year. Every year in the playoff, I watch uh, from the first round to the to the Stanley Cup Finals. And this mm-hmm. year, once again, another great series that we witness. Yeah. And wait, so both of your kids play hockey, right? Yep. So what advice would you give other hockey parents? To leave them alone. To uh, leave the kids. To leave yeah. them alone. It's just um, 
My heart, my dad was hard on me growing up, and I promised myself I'll never do, uh, never do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I was hard on my son, not hard on my daughter. And I, uh, I did not pay the price, but it's something that I, I regret. But for the last five, six years, I would advise the parents, the kids, no matter what, how good they are, are they will, if they have to make it, they'll make it. And it's not because parent or dad or mom are so hard on the kids. They'll, and uh, I think the opposite can kids can quit their sports or not only in hockey they can quit their sports because it's not fun anymore. The the car ride from the event to home it sometimes it was re really long in my family, and I, re I regret it. So your question to answer your question, mm -hmm. I would suggest to the parents leave your kids alone if you cannot handle just the uh, just drop them off and come back and pick them up after the event. That would be better than sitting there on the sidelines and watching every play and criticizing everything. You're waiting for the criticize. You're waiting for the. A lot of parents they don't want to do it in front of the other parents, but they're waiting in the car for the kids to show up, and then it's not. It's not a good experience. I'm saying that because a lot of parents out there do seminars for the kids, but also for the for the parents, and we share that. And it's something that. Uh, they were not proud of, but they, uh, some parents came back to me and said, thank you very much because I was one, I am one of those parents. And since then, they do a, a big effort not to repeat their mistakes. Yeah. As a hockey parent, it's hard to hold back your emotions because the, the sport is so amazing and you invest so much time and energy into it. Yeah. And you want your child to do well and you want your child to be, um, to take advantage of that moment. It's such a great sport. We parents, we invest a lot of money, a lot of times, and it seems like we, the, our kids owe us. <laughs> I, I realize they don't owe, owe us anything. We put them there mm -hmm. and they are, it's fun. It's, it's so much fun when they do well, but also we have to put in mind, they go to school, uh, they have issues, they go up and they have their ups and downs also in their lives and they, they cannot be perfect. I was a prime example. I was not the perfect player every single night. I did my best, even though I was a professional athlete. For But one of my struggles was to be consistent. But I tried to demand my kids to be consistent. So something that took me a lot of years to realize, well, maybe I have to change my approach. And uh, I would advise the parents to do the same thing. Um, yeah, you seem like you have a lot of good advice. And yeah. you're very involved with like kids. And I know you started an initiative program, right? Yeah. For younger kids. Can you talk a little bit about? I've what always that is? been ever since I'm 16 to 17 years old. I, I I was always involved in hockey schools, and the younger kids I was very good at, and uh, and it carried on throughout my career, throughout my life. And then when I retired, I was searching for what what I, what I could do after uh, my career was over. I owned a travel agency. I didn't like it. I was selling hockey sticks. I didn't like it. <clears throat> and then I started a program. I met someone at Mark Messier. Uh, leadership camp that he had 10 years ago. And I always like to help the person who cannot play. And I I remember the, the camp started on Saturday morning and that gentleman was on his phone and I asked him, are you working this morning? It's Saturday morning. No. I said, can you park your phone and enjoy the weekend? And I end up spending a lot of time with him make his story a little bit shorter, and he could not skate. He never played hockey. He just wanted to be around the hockey players. He wanted. He's a big Flyers fan, and he wanted to see what, what Mark Messier leadership was all about. So I spent a lot of times, and I asked him what he was doing, what was his job, and he says, well, I, I own private schools in Pennsylvania, in Lancaster, and he's, he's got about nine schools there. I said, but also what, I said, what's good about your, your program? I said, I bring athletes in. 
I bring wrestlers and hockey players. And I, as a joke, as I asked him, said, can I go there? So the following week, I was in his school talking to the kids. And I've been working there for the last 10 years. And someone approached later on in the Bronx if I wanted to start a, pro a program in the Bronx. And I did. And uh, now I, I was working for somebody else. Now I wanted to create my own program, Make Your Moment. And we're going to start next month in October uh, with four or five schools. And I wanted to go, I wanted to bring it up to 15 to 20 schools a month. And we can uh, talk to about four or 500 kids in a month or for uh, the, being, the time being of the program. So the program is uh, mostly about. I try to share some of my story, mm -hmm. but also I like to listen to the to the kids. I I ask them some the minimum of questions, and my goal is I want them to speak, to express themselves, ask themselves questions, and then I the the magic occur, and then the trust because most of those kids that we picked or the principals or the teachers picked, they uh, they usually they would not be involved in a group setting, and they always left they're always left alone. Mm -hmm. So it's very powerful. And they feel like they're part of a group, and they realize also uh, the athletes in front of them, including uh, talking about myself, that we are human beings. We're parents. I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a brother and a friend. Also, that we struggles, and uh, and that's what we just try to share. And usually, it's about 15 to 20 kids in front because if I don't believe in big group setting because it's too where uh, you lose the kids, yeah. and I think between 15 to 20 kids, it's very powerful. Yeah, that's so amazing. Do you learn anything from these kids? I learned to listen more. Mm -hmm. As a professional, at times happened, when I played, I, I barely listened to others. I was self-centered most of the mm -hmm. time, and I started to believe what people were saying about me. And I lost that for many years, but that pro, those programs allowed me to pay attention with those kids or those parents because not only the kids are in the, in the classroom, we, we invite the parents, the grandparents, and we invite everyone. It's very powerful. I've learned, it's a good question, because I've learned to listen, pay more attention, and to be more sensitive to what they have to say. Yeah, and I also feel like the sport hockey itself has taught many people many life skills. Yeah. So is there any like main life skills? Well, I've learned a lot of things. I was, lot, I was yeah. one of the, my self-esteem was the lowest point when I grew up. I was, uh, I was uh, with, I had severe acne in my face and I could not go to places because I was aware that someone could pick on me and just, uh, I got bullied when I was a kid. I was pushed around, bullied verbally, physically. So that's why I can relate to some of those, most of those kids because they go through the same thing. Uh, being in, in high school, middle school, uh, the, 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 those kids, they go through the same thing that I did back then. So I've learned through hockey to I can express myself. And also I learned a lot from my teammates. And we talked about Adam Grace before, but there's so many athletes or some people uh, that crossed paths with me over the years that they helped me to become a better person, a better listener, but also to go up, not wait for people to come up. I, I now, when, you, when I walk into a room, I like to go shake hands instead of waiting so i've learned a lot of that's so many hockey was hockey's been was a great life lesson and just keeps i just keep on learning mm -hmm. and also you've also learned actually how to play sled hockey right yes mm -hmm. years ago i was uh, playing in men's league back home in quebec and i saw the national canadian national team play and i spent i helped a goalie 
he was um, I don't think he had legs that 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 goalie and I helped him out and I asked him if he needed some I don't need help and he was just I, I talked to him and I asked him what's the skill that you need I was very attracted uh, attracted to how they were practicing and they were so fast yeah and my yes. ego's like I'm pretty good at all the sports and my ego kind of like uh, I if they can do it I can do it but I realize it's uh, it's much tougher than that so a few weeks ago I played against a team, your team, and the Rough Riders. The Rough Riders, great team, and they are great kids. And what I loved before that was the energy, the setting, mm -hmm. and the, the, the group, they, everybody was helping each other. And they asked me if I wanted to play my first, years ago I would have said no, because I'm not good at it, I, I'm not that flexible. And today, but those kids give me the courage, if they can do it, I'm gonna do it. Even though if I, I'm gonna make a fool of myself, I'm gonna, they give me the courage uh, especially the Down syndrome kids, they really give me the, the, the strength to to try. I fell a few times. I couldn't get up, even though I'm a mm -hmm. six foot four an athlete. Yeah. I couldn't even get up, so I had to wave my stick, and the uh, the, the referee came back and helped me out. But just uh, it was in my life, it was one of the best humbling experience ever that I experienced. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people say that when they first get on the sled, they don't realize how difficult it is. It's danger. It more, yeah. It's more dangerous. I, I never didn't realize I could get cut. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a cage, and if I would go back, I would protect myself a little bit more. I would have a cage, but what a great experience it was! And they, I, I didn't realize how fast some of those kids and the yeah. skills. They, there was different levels of the best player out there. They could slide. That's that they could do an almost a, a one eighty like mm -hmm. in a second. So, but I. Did you I, touch the puck? I touched the puck. I had a breakaway a few times, and I by the blue line, and by the time I get to the top of the circle, the whole team and my own team were in front of me. So <laughs> it's hard to skate with the puck. It's hard to mm -hmm. push alone without the puck, and to uh, no, I didn't. I had a few shots on nets, but I I missed the net. So did you fall over a lot? I fell over. I can count about four times. Because I was, I tried to be very conservative, mm -hmm. and then I said, "Let me try something else." And then I realized, when the pressure was on, and nothing that I've learned that you guys uh, they were teaching us, and nothing worked because under pressure you try to go faster mm -hmm. and you try to make a move, and uh, did fall. And but I, like I said, it was a very humbling uh, experience for myself and my teammates. Mm -hmm. Some of the alumni were there; they were in, they were amazed, and they uh, we all had a good time. And we all see those kids in the different set of glass, and just uh, it was fun to to see. Yeah, it's such a it's such a fun, high energy sport. Yeah, and also the Rough Rider team itself, they're such a family. It's yeah. so fun to play with them. They told me about it, and they uh, just to look. I'm, I like to I like to look. I like to take my time and just mm -hmm. to see the whole team helping each other. Yeah, and nobody was uh, nobody was on a rush. What I noticed, nobody was on a rush to get on the ice, mm -hmm. and they were. Everybody said, "All right, let's get ready." And anybody need some help, and everybody were helping each other. We're gonna go when everybody's ready. That's what I noticed, and I thought it was a very good team spirit, but also it's a good life lesson for all of us. What do you, what surprised you the most playing sled hockey? Uh, some of the speed. I didn't realize how speed. fast they were going with the puck and without the puck, especially without the puck. But so the the uh, two or three kids that you have on your team, they were mm -hmm. so good and so fast. But uh, I had fun with the the team picture that we uh, that we mm -hmm. took. I'm not going to repeat what the kid said, but one of the kids <laughs> had the Down syndrome. I elbowed him, and 
And he, he, his answer was like it's exactly what an a NHL player would say after being roughed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I said, did you did you say what you just, yeah, I just said it. Just take the picture and just like act like a big man. It's like, I was laughing so hard. And, but they, uh, they, they accepted us and they, we accepted them with the way they were, they, they were and they, uh, that was a great experience. That just goes to show hockey players are hockey players, no yeah. matter exactly. how you play. That kid was a hockey player. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a he didn't have Down syndrome or didn't have a missing leg or something. He was a hockey player. I was a hockey player. I tried to push him, <laughs> and he pushed me back right back. And he didn't care about if I was five foot uh, or six foot four. And just uh, I, I really like that, that. That made my moment that uh, that moment with that kid. Number twenty three. I don't know if you remember. His dad was at the game, and they, uh, I, I share with him what he said to me on the ice, and he was laughing. And that's my son. He has no filter, and just uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, they're all so funny. Yeah. Each person's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Um. So let's do a little quick speed round. I'm going to ask you some questions. All right. Okay. So how many of your teeth are actually real? All of them. Really? Yep. That's surprising. Yep. Why? Because you played in the <laughs> 90s. But I was smart. I, I stay away from the puck. The only thing I missed was a ch- uh, against the Flyers in Philly, someone uh, chipped my tooth just a little tiny, so I don't consider losing a tooth. Right. And uh, that's very impressive. Yeah. 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 And also, do you have any superstitions from when you played that you still follow? I was a. I could be a very some very loose cannon, but when things didn't go well, I would dress on the left side first, and then the next day if it didn't go well, I go right, and then I would switch it off. I would sleep at different time, and uh, no, yes, I was. So, but I don't re- remember especially what I did. But I, like, I would drink the same coffee or the same water in, in order, and just realize it later on that doesn't work. That doesn't make a difference. As soon as you get on the ice or on the baseball field, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's just with the preparation and stuff. So I think we spent so much time and tried to, but it's all. But the thing I respect, it's the players who are in their bubble, mm-hmm. and I respected them, and uh, I would never try to make fun of someone. And because when I was really, but the thing I, I remember, when I was focused, I would read all the stats, I would prepare, I would get there three hours before a game. Mm-hmm. Every time I focused, I played well. It's weird. Yeah. I would teach that to the kids. Every time you prepare yourself, not two minutes before you get to class, it's if you prepare yourself, I can guarantee you're gonna have some good grades. And it's the same thing in hockey. If you do your homework, uh, think good things gonna happen. If you don't, if you cheat the system, good things might happen, but mostly the, uh, you can get injured, injured somebody else, and you can cause, cause a, a, a win to your team. So you would say, um, doing your homework, checking up on stats versus superstitions. I would say prepare yourself. Don't wait yeah. till last minute and just uh, and it's like that in, in in life, I guess. Yeah, good advice. Okay, um, so can you give us an impression of Howie Rose's call of uh, his? Can I like? I like to hear you first. You go first. You I go like first. To, but I just like I don't know the I did I, <laughs> one one time with Steiner Sport. I signed maybe a hundred autographs. It took yeah. me took me about fifty minutes of the whole call. And but I can just like wait. A, you wrote wait. You wrote Fetisa for the Devils go cross ice and they. You wrote the whole. There was a story that they they sold that to the New York fans and they they did the story. Messi did it. Graves did it. Richter did, and I did it also. The whole call, how we rose call. So I I don't even remember. 
You remember the the, the most famous I part, Yes, the Meteau, 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 and just then the <laughs> Rangers has one more hill to climb, baby, but it's Mount Vancouver. The Rangers are headed to the finals. That part I remember. Yes. That's, that's the one. Yes. Meteau, Meteau, Meteau. Yes, Stefan Meteau <laughs> and the Rangers are going to the Stanley Cup finals, are headed to the Stanley Cup finals. So. That's so iconic. Yes. <laughs> and for a funny story, when I, one of the very first time as an alumni, I went to the garden. One of the mm-hmm. fans was running. He had his head down. He ended up hitting me. And he looked up. He goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe you're in front of me. I said, can you wait a second? I said, all right. That's all I have to do. I'm going to wait a second. So he went to get his phone. His phone. He goes, he asked me, can you call me? Because I said, no, I'm not going to call you. Like, I, I never met you. I don't want you to have my phone number first. But he goes, I'm, all right. He asked his friend to call him. And the, the, his ringtone was the famous call. Oh, no way. I thought that was funny and just like, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Over the years, people call their pets, uh, their kids, Stefan. Um, wow. They spell it differently. Their daughter, Stephanie. And I heard I heard it. Uh, I heard them all over the years. So. so there's a lot of Stefans and Stephanie's born in 1994. There was a, there's a lot. So it's, they all, <laughs> some so of them funny. come up to me and just, uh, but when they call their pet, just like, can you imagine they call their, your pet and it doesn't come over? Like, come on, metal, 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 metal. So that, that, that was pretty, uh, that, was, that part was funny. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Okay, um, also, which team do you root for? The New York Rangers, Montreal, Team Canada? I feel All of like, them. I feel like I know what your main answer is going to be. Which one? The Long Island Rough Riders. Well, now, yes. Of course, well, right? Yes, thank you. It's the, uh, I, I'm a sports person. I like yeah. every sport. I, uh, the Islanders, when they do well, I, uh, I watch them. The, the Devils, mm-hmm. my son was drafted by the Devils. He played for the Devils. Um, the Montreal Canadiens, I grew up and watching them. The Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, they're so close to home. A lot of my friends and family, they're cheer for Toronto. So I'm a sports fan. I like the yeah. Jets, the Giants. I like the Yankees, the Mets. If they are doing great, I, I will cheer for them. Mm-hmm. But if you ask, if you give me a pair of tickets, I'd rather go see the the Yankees. And if I'd rather go see uh, uh, the no, I would I would go to Jets. I've been to a Jets. I've been to a Giants, and the stadium looks the same. So yeah, <laughs> different That's color. True. That's so, really true. So I'm a New York. I'm a New York uh, fans after all. Yeah, I mean, how can you not be a New York fan? Uh, well, the last 25 years, life's been pretty good, and the uh, New York fans and New York City, and I do a lot of stuff with the New York Rangers. We do a lot of a clinic around. We go to about 30, uh, 30 rinks in Connecticut, uh, Long Island, New Jersey, New York. So uh, I'm, I'm at the Garden about 12 to 15 games a year. I go to a lot of concerts in New York, and uh, that's the best part. When I walk into the Garden, mm-hmm. The guards, they've been there for 25 years, and they, they do know who's coming in. And because I'm kind to them, they like to give it back, and they would take care, they would take care of me. And a lot of times I end up next to the stage and watch the show, and uh, it's one of the privileges that we have. I'm part of the uh, uh, MSG, the, uh, Madison Square Garden uh, Family. Family. And my, my skates are, if you walk around here, my skates from the 1994 are in display. And people, during the day, they do tours. And they, one of the stop is my plaque. It's like 10 feet wow. long. And my skates are there. And people don't realize how old were my skates. Mark Messier played with about 30 pairs of skates a year. 
and I played with one pair of skates in three years. And those skates were beat up, and people don't re- they, they thought they, they think at first it's a joke, mm-hmm. but it's those skates that I wear for three years, including my the last game of the Stanley Cup Finals in 1994. Oh wow, that's yeah. so cool! I didn't have backups. Wow. Every players in the National Hockey League have a backup just in case they break a blade. You grab the other skates; they're broken in. Mm-hmm. Mine, I didn't have a backup skate. I can I could not. Uh, play with new skates. You just broke your own rule of being prepared. Yeah, yeah. but that's something that I was prepared for. When I scored a winning goal in 1994, it was a broken stick. I like to play with my the old gloves, my shoulder pads, my shin pads, and the stick. My stick was broken. I just put some fiberglass on it, and mm-hmm. I wish I could have kept that that stick, my helmet, my. They don't know the puck. I wish I could have it, but we, nobody knows where's yeah, those items. Are. To I don't know. Just, uh, just maybe the referees or I don't know just uh, back then it wasn't that as important mm-hmm. I guess but I wish I could have them all but I'm glad they have my skates in displayed medicine square guard yes um, I want to thank you so much for your time and for being on this podcast with me and I know the rap writer said it was fun thank you very much yeah. I wish you guys the best you're doing a great job thank you very much yes thank like you to. thank you Scarlett also thank for being for on this with me. me this was so much fun Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sled Files. Please visit www.lisledhockey.org to learn more about the Long Island Rough Riders program. 100% of the proceeds earned by this podcast will be donated to support the Rough Riders team. We'd like to thank Don Belch, Scott Gross, and Jim Annunziato for producing the theme song of this podcast, and of course, our amazing guests on this episode of The Sled Files.